смотреть. As I was growing up way across the globe in New Zealand more years ago than I probably want to admit to, I grew up in a devout Christian home. One of my recurring fears was being left behind when Jesus Christ returned at his second coming. Many a night I would sneak through to my parents' room to make sure they were still breathing, they were still there, because I didn't want to be left behind. But I had no assurance. And another thing I did was I confessed my sin again and again and again, over and over, revisiting the guilt that I felt for the things that I'd done wrong. And really that just shows that my forgiveness was not real to me. I was not living in the fullness of God's forgiveness and it was robbing me of peace and joy as a young child. I don't know if any of you have been there and been through that same thing, but it's not a good place to be, is it? And I don't want any of us to be in that place. So this morning, I want to share some thoughts with you on forgiveness. And it's based around, just as I said earlier, just half of a verse that we read so a part of verse of Colossians 3:13. And it's these words, "As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive." So today, with the Lord's help, I would like us to look at it like this. This morning, although it's only a part of the verse, this morning I'm going to break it down even further, and we're going to look at the first half of this part of the verse, "As the Lord has forgiven you." So we're going to look at how the Lord has forgiven us. And then this evening, we're going to apply that into our lives and ask ourselves how that can free us to understand how we have been forgiven by the Lord. That can free us to be able to have forgiveness in our hearts towards others. However, without wanting to assume anything at all, I think before we can even look at a subject like this, we have to ask ourselves the very obvious question, and it is this. Has the Lord forgiven you? Have you been forgiven by God through Jesus Christ? Is that something you personally know about? Because unless we've tasted of God's forgiveness, we can't go any further in our, in our thoughts of it. And we will, like I was as a child, we'll live our lives wracked by guilt and fear. Not a good place to be. But as well, unless we have been forgiven ourselves and tasted and understood something of God's forgiveness of us, we'll be powerless to be able to forgive others in the way that God has forgiven us. The journey to us being forgiven, it starts with two very crucial truths. The first truth is that we need to be forgiven. Each and every one of us absolutely needs to be forgiven. A verse that I find comes back to my mind all the time thinking about this is Isaiah 53, 6. All of us were like sheep that had wandered off. And it's this part here. We had each gone our own way. I recognize that in my heart. I recognize that in the hearts of people around me. We want to go our own way. But the Lord gave, gave him the punishment that we deserved. 
And then in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us. I love verses like this that are totally unambiguous. We have all, each and every one, we fall short of God's perfect standards of holiness and perfection. And so we need to be forgiven. If we've never come to him ever and asked for our sin to be forgiven, we need to come to him for forgiveness. If we're struggling along in a Christian path, we need to come to him for forgiveness. And then the second truth, so the first is that we need to be forgiven. The second is that to not be forgiven is death or destruction. It's death for us in the sense of being separated from God forever. It's destruction from us in the sense that it destroys our relationships and it breaks our relationship particularly with God. But particularly as we think of have we ever been forgiven of God, that, 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 that the idea there that when it speaks of death, it's talking about being separated from God forever and it also has in there the idea of bearing the consequences of us in ourselves on our own backs on our own lives, choosing to rebel, choosing to go our own way, choosing not to submit to God and come and ask for forgiveness. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. The wages of sin is death or the wages of sin is destruction. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So yes, either our choice is very, very simple. Either we bear the consequences, death and destruction for this life and the life to come. We bear those consequences ourselves. We bear that death penalty ourselves. Or did you notice what it said at the end of that verse in in Isaiah 53? Our sins were laid on him. And that him is Jesus Christ himself. He, we read in 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's the him. He himself bore, Jesus Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The healing from death and destruction by the wounds of Jesus Christ on the cross. Yes, he bore our sins his body on the cross that is how and why we can be forgiven we can be forgiven through Christ now there's a verse that's in Ephesians that's very very similar to the verse that we're looking at today but it's got something at the end of it that I want us to notice and it's Ephesians 4 32 be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you God in Christ forgave you. That's really important. It's so important that I'm going to say it for a third time. God in Christ forgave you. Because our our forgiveness is rooted in God and his nature and his character. But it's, it's made possible. The fact that you and I can be forgiven at all is made possible because Jesus Christ died in our place. Bore our sin. For us, took our punishment, paid the death penalty for us, 
And so we can be forgiven. And that's how we can be forgiven. We can be forgiven. And if we confess our sin to him, we will be forgiven. We are forgiven. If we confess our sins to him, 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Forgiven because Christ has paid the penalty for us and forgiven because God, therefore, is just. The penalty has been paid. Justice has been satisfied in Jesus Christ. And so we can be forgiven. And we can claim our pardon. We can rejoice in our forgiveness. We can live in in its freedom and its life-giving power. Because it has been dealt with when Jesus died in our place on the cross. We have all sinned, every one of us. No question to be asked, we have. We all need to be forgiven, but we all can be forgiven. We absolutely can be forgiven. And so our first thing before we do anything else and look at God's forgiveness is ask ourselves, do you personally know what it feels like to be forgiven? Do you know how good it is to taste of forgiveness and to feel that fear and that guilt be taken away? Do we know what it is to live as somebody who is living in the enjoyment and the benefit of being forgiven, of being pardoned? I don't know if you chose, um, if you noticed that I changed and started using the word pardon. And that was on purpose that I did that because that's exactly the sense of God's forgiveness. It's a biblical term. And I want us to keep it in mind when I talk about forgiveness. Remember that we're talking about God's forgiveness. And so we're talking about a pardon. And the thought in a pardon as opposed to maybe forgiveness is that it's the the, the totality and the finality of it. And the once for all it is dealt with and it's gone. Now, I want us to think about that firstly. Sort of really one of the two main things I want us to think about is just the totality and, and the completeness of the forgiveness and the finality that it is a pardon that God gives us. Now we start looking at that in Isaiah 55. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to God and to, to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. You see... Pardon is much richer than just having, a sen- just having served a sentence or just having paid your dues. It is where we are declared that it is gone, it is dealt with, it is finished because of what Christ did on the cross. When we're pardoned, it's gone forever, never, ever, ever to be brought up again. Never to be talked about, never to be seen or raised again. Because that is the measure that the Bible tells us of when God forgives us, of how he forgives us. It is a pardon, gone forever. And I'm going to look at four different verses, because there's four different verses that explain that idea in four different ways. And it's really helpful. Um, Don't know about you, but I'm a bit thick. Sometimes never get anything first time, sometimes second time. 
probably third, or I'm probably starting, it's starting to sink in. But this is really important, and so God tells us in four different ways, because this is an important thing. And firstly, if we read in Micah 7, verses 18 to 19, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all our sin into the depths of the sea. He'll tread our iniquities underfoot. He'll cast our sin into the depths of the sea. That's the first one. The second one is in Psalm 103, 12. Where he writes and he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. The third one is in Isaiah chapter 38, 17. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. For you have cast all my sins Behind your back. Cast behind his back. And then the third one, uh, sorry, the fourth one, and there's actually four different places that this verse is quoted. Um, so it's in Isaiah 43, 25. It's also in Hebrews 8. It's in Hebrews 10. And it's in Jeremiah 31. Exactly the same <coughs> phrase. The fourth is actually repeated four times so that we get it. I am he, says God, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. I actually quite like the way it's put in the New Living Translation where it says, I am he, God says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Um, sorry, I, I will blot out your sins for my own sake. And I will never think of them again. That's how the New Living puts it. I will never think of them again. So I kind of think the Lord's trying to tell us something here. Four different verses say the same thing in different ways. And the fourth of those he actually repeats four times through the Bible. When he forgives, when God forgives us, he does it like he does everything. He does it perfectly he does it completely, and he does it eternally. Now, so that we get the message, he repeats it. So that we get the message, he uses these four very graphic images so that we understand it. Once we've confessed our sin, all sin, any sin, yes, any sin that we confess, it is... Cast into the depths of the sea. It is trampled underfoot. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. It's thrown behind his back where it is out of sight. And it is out of mind forever. Permanently put from his consciousness forever. Do we get that? And we have to get that if we get nothing else this morning, if we get that. From God's perspective, when we confess our sin, it is cast into the depths of the sea, 
as far as the east is from the west, trodden underfoot, put behind his back, out of sight, permanently, put out of his mind, (coughs) eternally. That is how God forgives. That is the measurement of his pardon. I always remember a dear old brother um, from years ago, David, um, and he, he used to often say, whether he was speaking about Isaiah 43 or Hebrews 8 or, 8 or 10 or Jeremiah 31, he would always say, God doesn't say God forgets our sin. Because if he forgets it, he might just remember it again. It might come back into his mind. No, he doesn't forget our sin. He, in his infinite power, can choose to purposely Put it out of his mind and his thought. Erase it from his mind forever. And when God does it, it is done forever. So once we have confessed a sin, it is dealt with, it is gone, and it is gone forever. So it will never come up between God and us again, ever, ever. Unless, unless we drag it back up. Or unless the devil whispers it in our back of our consciousness and brings it up again. But between us and God, from his point of view, it is pardoned, it is gone, it is buried, it is trampled on, it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Do we get it? It's gone forever. Has the Lord forgiven you? Have you come and sought his forgiveness? Because if you have... He has forgiven you. He has pardoned you. He has done it as he does everything. He has done it perfectly. He has done it completely. And he has done it forever. He's done it eternally. That's something, isn't that what God does? And if that's not good enough, if that's not good enough for us, there are some other delightful truths around forgiveness that I want us to share this morning. So let's just enjoy them. Keep that in mind. The permanency completeness of God's forgiveness. But then, let's just push out the envelope a little bit. Now, the first two, there's a, two couplets I want us to look at. The first, I, I was intrigued, I'm intrigued by things like this. Our verse this morning is, um, is Colossians 3.13. This is Colossians 1.13 and Colossians 2.13, which tie in with 3.13. It's quite interesting, that, isn't it? 1.13 says... He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's one thirteen. Two thirteen is you were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ, for he forgave all our sin. And so you see here, the first thing I want us to look at, this little couplet, is this idea about forgiveness, that it's life-giving. God's forgiveness is life-giving, made alive, delivered from the domain of darkness, brought into his kingdom. Now there's an important subtlety to this truth that I want us to get, because um, I think sometimes when we think of forgiveness, we think of the whole idea that we're forgiven, and our death penalty, our life sentence is sorted And it is. But as well, we're forgiven for eternity. But in addition, for this life as well. We're forgiven for this life as well. And it's life-giving. 
to know and understand and appreciate something of how we have been forgiven, of how much we've been forgiven, and the extent and the greatness of our forgiveness. And, and my whole desire in looking at this is that when we understand this a little bit, and when I understand this a little bit, can live in the freedom of knowing that forgiveness. And live in the joy. And be no more running through to check if I've been left behind. No more fear. No more being wracked with guilt and having to come and confess and confess and confess those awful things that we're ashamed of. But also, I think too as well, when we understand a little bit of that and it's life-givingness, maybe wants, makes us want to share a little bit with others who don't yet know that forgiveness, just how wonderful it is as one of the many blessings of salvation. So that was our first couplet, was in, in, in Colossians. The second is in Acts, and it's in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 13. So the first one I'm going to read is actually from 13. Acts 13, 38 and 39. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, speaking of Jesus, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which they could not be freed by the law of Moses. And then just turning back a few pages to Acts 3. Repent, therefore, and turn back to God, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Those little verses are really sweet, aren't they? Freedom and refreshing, because we've been forgiven. Freedom and refreshing. No more fear. No more bondage. No more knowing the daily destruction of sin and shame in our lives. No more bondage to guilt. No more bondage to bitterness and to selfishness. We'll look at a wee bit about that this evening. What is it that we're told in these scriptures? That with forgiveness, when God blots out our sin, another great way of explaining it, it's blotted out. It brings us freedom and it brings us refreshment to our souls. We need it and we need to enjoy it. And we need to enjoy it not just as a concept, but as something that we can enjoy and live in the freedom of today in our lives. Because you know, it's all very well that just understanding the concept and, and, if you like, just the legality of the fact that our, our punishment has been paid, that the justice of God has been satisfied, and so we can be free. Because freedom, um, the freedom and the refreshment and the enjoyment and the power of forgiveness... It's only liberating. It's only refreshing when we believe it. When we accept it. When we bring it into our hearts. When we, yeah, Andrea and I, my wife, we talk a lot about choosing to do things. And we choose to believe it. We, we, and and with, the, with the idea of our pardon and our sin being removed forever. Of it bringing life into our, our lives. Um, and refreshment and freedom. We've got to choose it to believe it. And we have to choose to believe it when the guilt kicks back in. Because it will. And we, we have to choose to believe it 
when the devil starts accusing us of that stuff that's been and dealt with and gone again, because he will. And we have to choose to believe it when the devil, the accuser, accuses us of things that actually God and truth has told us are gone, blotted out, buried, trodden underfoot as far as the sea east is from the west, um, behind his back, out of sight, out of mind forever. It doesn't stop the devil bringing it back up. And when he does, we choose to believe that our forgiveness is as God has told us it is. Because he does. We have to choose to believe it when we fail again. Because we will. And we do. We have to choose to believe it when we come afresh. Because there's more stuff, there's more baggage, there's more rubbish that we need to lay out and tell God about. Because we must and we do. And we have to choose to believe it when all of that, the the guilt and the devil accusing us and seeing our own failure, causes us to doubt whether God can and does forgive the way that he does. Because we will and we do. And we have to choose to believe it. We choose to believe it because it is rooted and founded and grounded in the cross of Jesus Christ, but it is also founded and rooted and grounded in the very nature of God himself. It is founded and rooted in God's heart. He is a forgiving God. And so when the doubt and when the accusation and when the guilt and when the shame and everything come back, we choose because we know God. So firstly, I want to look at us. We're going to take a little bit of time now. The second part is to just look at how his forgiveness is rooted in his nature and his character and who he is in his heart. Firstly, in Ephesians 1, 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That's what a wonderful verse. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Forgiven out of the riches of his kindness and grace. That's where it's finding its starting point. Forgiveness is one of the acts of God that it magnifies the kindness and the grace, his unlimited kindness and his amazing grace. Because of who he is, he forgives. It's founded in justice. Christ has paid the penalty, but it displays God's kindness. It expresses and it expands and it helps us to understand something of his grace when we look at how he has forgiven us. The second one is in Numbers, and it's chapter 14. Please, says Moses, please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt till now, the Lord says, I have pardoned. According to your word. But truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have not put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. And there we see in Numbers 14 
that forgiveness as well as his grace and his kindness is an expression of or an outflow from that beautiful phrase, God's steadfast love. I, I, I just love that word, steadfast love. It's why I read the ESV, because it speaks of his love as being steadfast so much. Steadfast is love that it remains the same. It's there with us all the time, the steadfast love of God. And here it's through the ups and downs, the roller coaster of the wilderness. The ups and downs, the roller coaster of your and my lives. Being close, being far, being walking holy, walking in sin. He's always there, always the same. Because the steadfast love of God is the same yesterday and today and forever. And what this verse tells us is his forgiveness is exactly the same. It is the same yesterday and today and forever. And it is always there regardless of how we might be feeling or what we might be in our walk with him. But as well, you know, I've read that extra bit afterwards because there is a stern warning there as well, isn't there? That if we reject his forgiveness, if we do choose to go our own way to rebel against him, if we do fought, choose, and I, I think one of the ones today that we see so much is, I'm going to choose to follow my wisdom because it's superior to God's wisdom. And if we make that choice, we will not know what forgiveness is. We won't taste the freedom and the refreshing and the liberation of being forgiven. Psalm 86 and 5, Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing, unfailing love for all who ask for your help. A forgiving and a pardoning God because he is fundamentally, completely good. Lord, you are good, David says in one of the Psalms. Because God is good, he forgives. It's why he, that goodness and being good and doing good is what God is by nature. And just one of the ways he shows that is by forgiving. Because that is a good act to forgive. Because he is good, he does the great good of forgiving, of pardoning. And as well we read in that verse that, that there's the sense, you're so good, so ready to forgive. And that the idea of him being ready for, to forgive, it makes me think of, it's like he's poised. It's like he's just waiting it's like he's just wanting to forgive. And he wants to forgive quickly. The minute, the minute that we turn and ask him to do so. Isaiah 55, 7. The wicked need to abandon their lifestyle and sinful people their plans. They should return to the Lord and he will have compassion on them. And to their God, for he will forgive them generously. I've quoted that verse from, we read it earlier, but I've quoted it this time in a newer translation because it just adds a different dimension. As we think of God's forgiveness using the words of his nature of compassionate and generous. Because I think those are words we understand, aren't they, really well. He's compassionate and he's generous. Uh, there's lots of translations, obviously, and, and some of the other words that they talk about when this, in this verse as they translate it is he, his forgiveness is abundant. It's quick. 
It freely forgives. And that's exactly what his forgiveness is like. From his compassion, from his generosity, he's ready, he's poised, he's waiting and wanting to forgive us. Because Christ has bought that forgiveness for us. He wants to, us to enjoy it and to know it. I look at my own heart and, and that's not me. That is not me. I am so reluctant to forgive. I'm so slow. I find it so hard to forgive and let go. Really, really hard. It's not my nature, but it is God's nature. God's nature, his forgiveness, is that, and it never ceases to amaze me. It doesn't matter how long we store up something in our heart and we cannot bring ourselves to bring it to God. When we do, the moment, the moment that we bring it to him and confess to him, it is gone, forgiven. There's no, well, you've wait, made me wait for four years before you brought this. You can just wait and sweat for four years. That is not God's nature. He's quick, he's free, he's generous, he's compassion. And so the moment we come to him, he forgives. Instantly, unreservedly, and eternally. Because it's God's forgiveness. Never drag back up. When he forgives, when he lets it go, it's gone forever. Hebrews 8.12 I said that, that of our four verses that describe the way we're forgiven one of them was in Hebrews um, and it's just quoting the verse from Isaiah but there's a slightly different aspect in the way the writer of the Hebrews says it and his way of saying it is for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more I will be merciful. And so, who is a merciful God like you? His mercy, and as we think of it, mercy is, is, is not giving us what we, um, what we deserve. His grace is giving us what we don't deserve. His mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. And when we think about what we do deserve, we think about how much there is. That he needs to forgive us from. If we think about how often he needs to forgive us. Then we remember that he is a merciful God. And so that his mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us out of the abundance of his grace and his mercy. He gives us forgiveness. God is merciful. And he does not treat us the way that we deserve. So thanks be to God that he is a merciful God. Because thanks be to God that means he also is a forgiving God. And we have been forgiven so many times of so much. If I want to conclude, how am I going? If we conclude now by turning back to where we were earlier. Right back at where I started in Micah 7. But this time, carefully and slowly, I'm going to read it again. This time we're looking not for how God has forgiven us. But we're looking about what it tells us about the nature of him as he does forgive us. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing out over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will not treat, he will tread our iniquities underfoot, he will cast our sin into the depths of the sea. Do you see, as we look at it slightly from a slightly different uh, perspective, if you like, that 
It's not what God is doing this time that we're thinking about in, in his forgiveness, but it's what it tells us about his nature, that verse, that he is forgiving us because it is a delight of his love to be able to forgive. He, and, and as he forgives and as he casts it away, it is, as he's doing that, it is showing something of his compassion. I love when we speak, we read so often of Christ. He sees sin, he sees the bondage, the destruction of it, and he is moved with compassion. And one of the outflows of the compassion of God, Father and Son, is to forgive. Who is a pardoning God like you? God is delighting in love. He is compassion, and so he does forgive. We need to believe these truths. We need to choose to believe these truths. We need to remind ourselves of them again and again and again. We need to do it because it reassures us. We need to do it because it revitalizes us. These are truths that need to affect our lives in good ways, in noble ways, in ways that will be sung just before we open the word, that would glorify him. We're going to look at one of them this evening. But it's just, that's what we need to take from this truth of forgiveness. But I want us to start right back where we started in Romans 3. We're going to finish. I'm going to read again that verse that I read. This time I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read a little bit afterwards. Because I want us to see not just that we can be forgiven. And the way in which we've forgiven. But how it is that we can be forgiven. But God... But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins, forgave and pardoned us. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. That's Romans 3, 21 to 25. And so that is just to underline as we finish that because of Christ's sacrifice, we can be made right. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we can be forgiven. But firstly, as we read in 1 John, and I've gone back a verse as well there to get the context, 1 John 1. So reading from verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, We're only fooling ourselves and we're not living the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all wickedness. We do need to be forgiven, each and every one of us. But because he is God, he does and he can and he will forgive us. He will pardon. He will wipe our slate clean forever this evening for those of you who do come back 
we're going to see that we must forgive as well. So join us at half past six if you can. I'm going to pray and then we will sing. Lord, speaking just for myself, I am astonished at just the vastness of your forgiveness. And then hopefully, Lord, all of us are just amazed as we just glance briefly at some of the things that we've learned this morning or been reminded of maybe more this morning of just the extent of your, of your forgiveness and where it's founded in your very heart and what it can mean for us. Lord, what it can mean for those that we pray for day after day. To help it to be refreshing for us, help it, help it to be liberating for us, we pray. And just bring these things to mind through the course of the day, in the week, in the months ahead, we ask. And help us, give us the power through your spirit to live out what we will be learning this evening, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And a lovely hymn to finish. Oh, to see the dawn.